How are we doing? We okay? Yeah, we good? Obviously, next Sunday is Easter Sunday, and we all know the real reason for Easter, don't we? Cadbury's cream eggs. Uh, I'm joking. The real reason for Easter is obviously Jesus. We're going to be here next Sunday. Let me encourage you. Bring some people. It's going to be an amazing Sunday. I've been party to some of the planning. So, well, don't come and blame me if it's rubbish, but um, I know it's going to be a great Sunday. So please be here. Now, we obviously came out of the Simplify series a week or so ago, and Christian started this new series just last week called Grow. Just a mini-series, just taking us into our Easter Sunday next week. And it comes from our purpose statement, and the purpose statement for Arena is this, to go and grow and to love and serve our world. Now, we're obviously picking on that word grow there. And Christian last week spoke about you to grow, talking about that there needs to be growth in our lives. I don't know about you, but I want to grow. Anybody else? I want to be moving forward. I don't want to be the same as I am today in like three months' time or a year's time or five years' time. I want to be getting better and I want to be moving forward. Now, today, I've got the privilege of speaking about we are to grow. We are to grow. Say to your neighbour, say, we are to grow. We are to grow. We're talking about the church. You see, the church of Jesus is born to flourish. It's supposed to grow. It's supposed to be advancing. And this morning, hopefully, we can explore some of the things that we can do that will allow our church, Arena Church, to explode with growth. Is that okay? Now, as we do that, I want to tell you a little bit of a, a growth story of my life. Uh, when, I was, when I was a bit younger, I was really wanting to grow. And you might say, well, did it ever come? Uh, <laughs> a little bit. Um, but I, the reason I wanted to grow was not a conventional reason. It wasn't maybe quite what you'd think. The reason I wanted to grow was so I could go on the big rides at Alton Towers. I, I, I've always been a bit of a thrill seeker. I've always liked to, you know, if there's a cliff, I want to jump into some deep water off of it. I want to go on the biggest rides. I want to do that. And I can remember as a kid going to Alton Towers, seeing these massive rides like Oblivion and Nemesis. This shows you how old I am. Like air wasn't even around then for you younger guys. are like, he didn't mention air. <laughs> I wanted to go on those big rides. So like when I was six, when I was seven, I was like, I was going there. I was loving Alton Towers, but I always wanted to go on the big ride. So I'd go up to the height thing, 1.4 meters. I can still remember it. And I'd stand there as straight as I could and I'd always be smaller. But listen, year after year, I was getting closer and I was getting closer. And I think I was about 10 or 11 and I knew that this year I was going to be really close. I was going to Alton Towers that day and I said, Dad, look, we need to take this into our own hands. I want to check if I'm going to be big enough to go on the rides. So dad did what many parents have done in the past and he got the tape measure, got me against the wall. I stood up as straight as I could and he was like, Josh, like, we're really close. You're probably just a centimetre or so off. So like any responsible adult, what my dad proceeded to do was to fill my shoes with tissue paper. So we went to Alton Towers, I marched to Alton Towers, we were there, I was confident, I was ready to go, I walked straight up to Oblivion and I stood there with my, my shoes filled with toilet paper, straight back, tiptoed a little bit as well so the guy couldn't see and he sent me through onto Oblivion, it was amazing. You see the thing is this, filling my shoes with tissue paper wasn't real growth. 
It was a quick fix to make it look like there'd been growth. See, I think what churches have done over the years is exaggerated growth, been evangelistic, to make it look like there's something there that actually isn't there. I want to tell you that in Arena, before we talk about anything else this morning, we never want to fudge the numbers. We never want to make it look like we're, we're doing better than maybe we are. And we don't want growth for growth's sake. We're not talking about growth this morning so that we can go around saying how great we are. We want to see growth because that means lives finding Jesus. It means people changed. It means the church advancing and having more influence in this town. Is anybody with me this morning? See, even if there had been growth, even if there what has is real growth and there's this amazing explosion of growth, we can't take the credit for it any, anyway. In 1 Corinthians 3, it says this. I'm going to struggle to read that. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. In the midst of this this morning, we have to understand this. We can't make anything grow. All we can do is provide an environment where growth can come. Christian spoke about this in our personal lives last week. And I'd like to speak this morning about providing an environment where growth in our church can flourish. Is that all right? See, if we create a healthy environment, growth will occur. It's not, a, it's not a verse in the Bible, but it is a message throughout the Bible that healthy things grow. We see it all throughout the Bible that where there's health, there's growth. And Paul uses this analogy. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God brings the growth. He uses the analogy of a, of a gardener. There's someone in the garden. And for you guys out there who are gardeners, you know that no matter how much you shout at that plant in the garden, you could go out and you could dance around the plant all day. You could do what you wanted. You could play a nice song. The plant's not going to grow. All you can do is control the environment. You can put it in the right soil. You can water it. You can protect it. You can make sure the sun gets to it. And that's what we're talking about here this morning. We can't make the growth, but we can create an environment where growth comes. I think at times our mindsets have limited growth in church because we have had unhealthy mindsets. At times I think we've relied on our experience rather than what God says in his word. For me, for example, I've been in church for 27 years. I am 27 years old. And like I've seen a lot of church over my life. Just put your hands up. If you've been in a church like over 10 years, just chuck your hands up. So that's a lot of people. That's a lot of experience. There's people who've been here a few weeks. We love that you're here. There's people who've probably been in church 30, 40, 50 years. And that's a lot of experience. That's seen a lot of church. And in my own life, I've seen a lot of good stuff. And also I've seen some bad stuff as well. Anybody else? You know what I'm saying? See, we can limit God sometimes with our experience. Maybe we've never seen a church grow. Maybe we've never seen God do something amazing through a church. Maybe our experience is a church dwindling and dying. See, let's not limit what God wants to do with our experience. We need to get past some of these mindsets. Some of us are limiting God, what he can do in his church based upon comfort. Maybe you like having the same seat week in, week out. Maybe you, you want to come and just find your parking space and walk in and talk to the same friends week in, week out. 
See, we've got to get past this kind of mindset if we're believing for growth. We should dream about days where there's standing room only in this place, where we block up traffic in town, where the, the reach of the kind of people's, people attending is kind of weird. We don't want just nice people in here. Do you know what I'm saying? We want all kinds of people here. Look at who Jesus hung around with. He hung around with prostitutes. He hung around with tax collectors. No one likes tax collectors. He hung around with sinners. That's what we want to be reflected here in Arena. See, the church of Jesus is to be vast, is to be flourishing, is to be growing, is to be taking ground, is to be helping hurting people and to be lifting people's heads. In Colossians 1 verse 6, it says this, In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You see, the gospel still to this day is growing and bearing fruit in the world. There are literally millions of people gathering today to lift Jesus up. There will literally today be thousands of people make a decision to follow Jesus for the first time all over the world as we are here this morning. See, we need to see what God's calling us to. He's calling us to more influence, to more salvation, to more people set free, multiple campuses, multiple services. Thousands of people knowing God, finding freedom, discovering the purpose and making a difference. This church of Jesus is to be vast and to be expansive. You might say, Josh, no, but you don't know this article I read. And they said that the church is declining in England and that, you know, loads of churches are shut in. Well, that might be the case in some places, but my experience is that the gospel is growing and bearing fruit. I, I know churches in England today that have got six services with tens of thousands of people attending. See, it's not just, there's some bad ex, you know, kind of examples, but there's also a load of amazing examples of the gospel growing and bearing fruit in the world. See, you can run to the media, but I'd way rather trust the Bible than what the media says. Anybody else? I believe that the gospel is growing and bearing fruit in the world. See, people will try and put the church down. People will try and put us down. They tried to do that with Jesus. It's in our blood. Right from the start, they wrote Jesus off. They said he'd never get anywhere. And they actually killed him to try and stop what was happening. But they didn't stop Jesus, did they? He rose again and he came again. See, they can't stop the church then and they can't stop it today. What did Jesus say in Matthew 16? He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. He didn't say I might build my church if I fancy it. He didn't say I could build my church. He said, I will build my church. See, he's building his church and he wants to build it with you and with me. Will we open up our minds, see what he's calling us to? See, the world needs flourishing and expanding churches that will make a difference Bill Hybels, a pastor in America, says this, the local church is the hope of the world. You look at what Arena's doing, not just here on a Sunday morning, but look what we're doing in community. Look what we're doing up in the town. I honestly believe that Ilkston would miss us if we left. We're feeding literally thousands of people a year. Phenomenal, isn't it? The world needs the church. The world needs flourishing churches that are passionate about the people who aren't yet in it. I mean, look at the first church, the example, the church in Acts. I love the book of Acts. 
literally went from a number of 100 to a number of 3,000 to 5,000 to a number that couldn't be counted in a matter of weeks. Explosive growth. This church was the example for us. I think maybe one of the greatest weapons in their arsenal was that they didn't have any previous experience. All they had was this grace of God. They'd encountered this Jesus and he'd done something amazing in their life. So they just, they just went for it and they just went crazy on the back of what God had done in them. And this church exploded. See, I think there's a lot to learn from this church. I want us to take a look today at the rapidly growing church in Acts and pick out some of the key principles that were catalysts for growth. Now, I've only got time for, for a few this morning. But you might say, oh no, Josh, you missed this, you missed this. There's like 10, 15 that we could pick out. But I just want to hone in on three this morning. Are you with me? Sorry if my voice is a bit hoarse. I've got a bit of man flu. I, uh, yeah, I mean, hello, <laughs> man flu. I, am I dying? <laughs> my wife's pregnant, morning sickness. I'm like, babe, have you ever had man flu? No. <laughs> you women have got it so easy. <laughs> Did I say that out loud? <laughs> and on podcast. Helen's downstairs. I'll get her not to listen to it. Morgan, delete it. I'm joking. Everyone say number one. The first thing we want to pick from this first church is this. They were risk takers. They were risk takers. When I see this first church in Acts, throughout the book of Acts, there was a boldness. There was an audacity. There was a courage. These guys would get in your face. I flipping loved the first church. And we're going to look at a guy called Ananias in Acts 9. It says this. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he's seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptised. That is an amazing verse. This guy, Ananias, is an unsung hero, I believe, in the scale of the New Testament. What he did here has far-reaching like, influence because probably some of us are sat here today because of what Ananias did that day. I, I absolutely love it. I think sometimes, though, we, do, we read this and we read it with our Bible goggles on. A Bible goggles and we read it and we're like, oh, Ananias, what a great guy. You know, how lovely he was. And we're like, yeah, I'd definitely do that. Like if it was, don't we, do, we read the Bible, let's be honest, like we read the Bible like that, you know, when we see about these amazing things in the Bible, like, yeah, I'd definitely do that. When we're sat safe in our bedroom at home, like, oh yeah, I'm so brave. I'd like to say respectfully this morning, I don't think you would. 
I don't think you would. Think about what Ananias was faced with here. He goes back to Jesus when Jesus says, Ananias, I want you to go and talk to Saul. Ananias is like, Jesus, just so you know, you didn't mean Saul from Tarsus, not like Dave from down the road. Yeah, 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 Saul. So just to double check again, you know that Saul's like killing Christians and he's, he's locking Christians up and he wants to stop what you're doing, not help it. Yeah, yeah, that's the same guy. Go pray for him. Ananias went. Ananias takes a huge risk. Literally, his life is at stake. He, he doesn't know what's going to happen when he gets to this house. And Ananias walks into this house and he prays for Saul. He puts his life on the line. He takes a huge risk and goes and does something amazing. So, prays for Saul and a miracle happens. I want to ask you this morning, what would have happened if Ananias would have said no? I, I don't know. I've got no answers this morning for that. Maybe, you know, Paul, Saul, who turned into Paul, wrote most of the New Testament verses I've read this morning. What would have happened if Ananias would have said, no, God, it's too much. I'm too scared. I don't want to do it. We don't know. I want to ask you this morning, church, are you taking risks? Are you taking risks? If we want to see this church grow, if we want to see God do something amazing through us, we have to take risks. See, when we say no to risk, we say yes to stagnation. The minute we stop taking risks, the minute we stop doing new things is the moment we stop growing. I've learned in my life practically that when I do something new, I grow at an exponential rate. When I go into a new job, I grow exponentially because I'm learning something new. I'm in a new environment. I'm in an environment that I'm not familiar with, so I grow. When I became a dad, I started growing so much quicker than I ever had done before because I'm doing things and I'm in a situation that I've never been in before. But you see, when we stop doing new things, we stop growing. Are we taking risks? See, it takes risk to invite that friend. It takes risk to pray for that person in your office. It takes a risk to put yourself out for that hurting person. But listen, it's worth it. I think the scariest prayer you can pray in your life, the scariest prayer I have ever prayed and I pray is this, God give me an opportunity today. I think it's the scariest prayer because I know that when I say that, he's going to give me an opportunity. Every time he gives me an opportunity and guess what? When he comes to me and says, hey Josh, I need you to go and speak to that person. The next thing I've got to do is say yes. And that's tough. Any real people here this morning? I believe God's got opportunities for us every day. He wants you and me to take his kingdom into the world, to take his love, to take the grace that you've received, to take the mercy that you've received. He wants you to take it into the world. And the way we do that is by speaking to people about him. The way we do that is by praying for people who are hurting. And you, you know my heart on this. You've heard me say it millions of times. It's not just going around willy-nilly battering people. It's following what Jesus is saying. And if there's an opportunity and someone says, you know what, like, I- I'm really struggling. Hey, can I pray for you? It's that simple. Let's take some risks. Let's take some risks. Why don't you take a risk this week and invite someone to the Easter service next week? You know, if two, three hundred people of us this morning took a risk and invited someone to Easter next week, who knows how many people we might have in this building next week? Will you take a risk?
the amazing thing was with Ananias, he heard God. But he didn't just hear God, he, he took the risk as well. Church, let's be risk takers. Number two, they were united by Jesus. They were united by Jesus. Acts 2, verse 44 says this. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anybody who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This unity was a hallmark of the first church. When you read through Acts, you just feel it. You feel this togetherness. There was a oneness of spirit that experienced Jesus in his grace and that had brought them together. And they come together and it talks about them giving away possessions. It seems to me like if someone had loads and someone had a little, the person who had loads would give away of what they have to the person who had little just so that they could live better. There was a oneness of spirit. There was a love for each other. I want to ask you, are you creating an environment where unity can flourish? I, I don't know about you, but I, I, I talk a lot. And sometimes, some of the stuff I can say, if I'm in the wrong mood or whatever, it can be negative. It can be, it can just be bad. It can be rubbish. But I think there might be some people in here this morning, and you probably struggle with this a little bit. Maybe you like the gossip a little bit. Maybe you like to talk about what's happened. Maybe you like to say maybe a few too many words. Have you got a good word to say or, or other words you're saying bad? See, in this community here called Arena, we don't want people coming into this service and, you know, talking to you and then walking away saying, oh, Neil, Neil's a nightmare, isn't he? Oh, what an idiot. You know, but you, you can feel that. You know, that's the, sorry, Neil, I didn't mean that. Neil, you're a great guy. <laughs> I don't know, Neil, uh, Neil Austin was tapping him on the knee. Neil, I was talking about you. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. But you see, the way of the world, it seems to me, a lot of the time, is to, is to pull people down to make us feel big. And that causes divisiveness. I don't want to live in a divisive environment. I want to live in an environment where we're lifting people up where we're helping people, where we're loving people, where even if I feel like saying something negative, I'm just going to shut up because you know what? It's, it's like a, it's a kid saying, but if you've not got anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Psalm 133 says this, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard. Down on the collar of his robe, it is as if dew, the dew of Hermon were fallen on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Another translation said, where there is unity, God commands the blessing. We need God's blessing, church. This verse with the, the imagery of the oil coming down Aaron's beard, that probably sounds a bit strange to some people, but it's basically representing the favour and blessing of God. We need God's favour. We need God's blessing. And I believe that when we live together in unity, when we come together through our love for Jesus, then that attracts God's blessing. I actually believe that God's looking all over the world for communities of people who will live together in love, who will honour him, but also honour each other. 
who look to lift each other up, not bring each other down. I want to fight for this. I've fought for this in my friendship group and we fight for this continuously. You know, in my friendship group, what we try and do, if someone's got something bad to say about another person, we say, hey, don't come and tell me about it. Go and talk to them about it. Address the issue. Let's protect one another. You know, if someone's got something to say about Christian, don't just go along with it. Bat it down, bat it back. If someone's got something negative to say about Arena, say, no, you go, if you've got an issue with that person, go and talk to them, but what you're saying is not true. Let's have some backbone. I don't want to be part of conversations that are pulling things down that I believe that God is building up. John 13 verse 35 says this, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. This is a weapon in our evangelism arsenal. As we love one another, it looks so different to the way of the world. Let's lift up. Let's love each other. Let's be there for each other. When we create an environment of unity, it grabs God's attention. Finally, they live sacrificially. Acts 7 verse 55 says this, But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid the coats at the feet of a young man named Saul, the same Saul we spoke about a few minutes ago. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And that's where we're going to finish. Receive my spirit. See, this man, Stephen, gave up his life so that, he, so that the message of Jesus could be spread. Now, we live in a world, thankfully, or live in a, live in a country where our lives aren't under threat for talking about Jesus. Our lives this morning aren't under threat for being here, meeting, praising Jesus. But that doesn't mean there's no sacrifice. See, this Bible, if you're a follower of Jesus, another message that runs throughout this Bible is the message of sacrifice. The main character, the one we look to, Jesus, what did he do? What was his life all about? The pinnacle of his life was when he laid it down. When he sacrificed his life so you and I could have life. You've got to understand that no one's ever done anything significant without sacrifice. No one, ever. You speak to the best businessmen, you speak to the, the best footballers in the world, you speak to the biggest bands in the world, there's been sacrifice. You speak to the biggest churches, you speak to, to those people who are doing something that, me, that is making a difference, it takes sacrifice. And if we want to see God's church flourish... If we want to see God's church grow, we can't just show up and then go and then show up and then go. No, it takes sacrifice. If we want to get to God's heart, if we want to experience God in new ways, in fresh ways, then it's going to take sacrifice. You know what? It takes sacrifice to wake up each morning early so that you can encounter God, to pray. It, wakes, it takes sacrifice to maybe be a part of a team here at Arena. Maybe it takes sacrifice for you to even come on a Sunday morning. But church, I want to ask you this morning, will you, you step up your level of sacrifice?
For you, you might just be coming on a Sunday. But I challenge you this morning, will you go to a new level? Will you join a team? And for you, that might take sacrifice. That might take laying something down. But it's worth it. Every single person in this place, God has got a plan for you. God's got a purpose for you. I don't care if you know God. I don't care if it's your first morning in or your hundredth. God's got a plan for you. But listen, it's going to take sacrifice if you want to step into that. You can't just go on doing the same old things. Christian last week spoke about how much people watch TV and all that stuff. I love TV and all those bits. I love social media. But maybe for you this morning, sacrifice is maybe watching a bit less TV so you can spend a bit more time with God. Maybe sacrifice for you this morning is getting off of Facebook and getting in the Bible to find out about God. If we want to go to a new level, take sacrifice. This church, I might say, is built on sacrifice. It's built on the sacrifice of volunteers, people who give freely of the time so that you can come and experience what you're experiencing so that God can move in this town. See, for me, sacrifice means... Most weeks, I'm going to be out four nights a week, maybe at church and doing stuff like that, serving God. For me, sacrifice means spending a lot of hours so that I can stand here this morning and speak. Yesterday, my son and my wife were in the garden and I could hear him shouting, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. But I was in my room preparing for today. That's sacrifice, isn't it? See, I think people in this room have laid down God's call over their life for comfort. You've laid God's call over your life down for comfort, for a life that's easy. I'll be bold this morning. God never called us to comfort. I don't see it in the Bible, sorry. He called us to a big life, to a great life, to an exciting life, but not a life of comfort. And I want to ask you today, I think God's speaking to people in this place on this point. If you've laid that call of God down for comfort, I'm going to ask you this morning to pick it up. Pick it up. We need you serving in God's plan for your life. We need you to be right in the middle of it. Because you know what? The 250 people in this place this morning have all got a unique call. You've got a unique sphere of influence. And we need you flourishing in God's call for your life so that this town and this area can be changed for him. This morning, will you ask God what he wants you to lay down so that he can work in you? I just ask you to bow your head, close your eyes for just a second.